Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you today. Very excited. We got Kevin Barada joining us. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us. It's going to be an awesome convo. Seb, good to see you. Also, Sean, always good to see you as well. While I am introducing everybody, absolutely like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff so you get your email every time that we go live, which is, of course, every day. Now, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, anything like that, put them up in the comment section and we will engage those directly as we chat along the day. And before we get into the convo, Kevin, do you want to give us a little 30, 45 second rundown, who you are, where you come from, all that good stuff? Yeah, you what bet, you? man. Um, Kevin Brada. So I live in Abbotsford, BC. I am work with the RCMP. I've been there for about 20 years now, last uh, 15 years, I've been full-time on the emergency response team. Uh, I've worked with Seb for many years uh, on my uh, spare time. I love to run, love endurance sports. Uh, I have uh, three girls, three teenage girls, and a lovely wife. Uh, I've been married for uh, just over 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you. We're, we're looking forward to this convo because... I get to, I was telling you earlier, I get to hold one a little bit over on Seb because he asked multiple times. I asked once, this is, and it happened. Just had to like throw that out there. Take that Sorry, win. Man. Take that win. Take it any day of the week, right? He's, um, he's, it's all about the charm. Right, right. It's the smile. It's the, yeah. I'm, I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty amazing. Charmless. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking, like, we've been talking about um, embracing the suck this week. And yesterday we kind of ended on the amount of time that you have to spend on any one particular uh, objective or sequence or hobby or job, whatever it is you want to, whatever it is you want to do, you have to spend some time on it. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today: time on target. So, Sean, you had a really great post earlier today about this. You want to give us a quick rundown on it? Well, sure, I won't bore everyone with uh, rereading the post. They can go and check that out, but I'll paraphrase it real quick. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, generally speaking, within the military context, time on target, or TOT, typically refers to taking a number of different assets from different locations, coordinating them into a, um, we'll call it a coordinated strike on a target. And all of the time that is spent on target dropping either ordnance or putting firepower down or more correctly applying resources against the objective well that time on target is tot but in my post i i considered time on target based on uh, the guests that were going to be on today uh, specifically kevin and so i know that kevin has an ultra endurance uh, running background and as far as i'm concerned um time on target in his world is the actual running event so the tot moment is kevin uh competing in the actual event that he's been training for but kevin knows and i know as, as seb does and i'm sure you do as well chance that uh, anytime that you're preparing to tot at an event you've got to spend some tot before the event the time on target doing recon on the actual terrain that you're going to compete at now maybe you don't have the luxury as an athlete to be able to fly to the actual event site and train on the event site for months and months in advance but if it's really important and you have the resources available to you you will if it's the olympics you'll fly to that country and you'll spend a lot of time on that course training on the course tot in order to put in during the event the tot 
And so um, looking at Kevin as the guest again, I thought I better uh, explain how as a coach and an athlete and how someone who has also been in the reconnaissance side of things, how we spend time analyzing the problem in order to apply what we've learned during the moment that we have to solve the problem. And so uh, there's, there's competing and there is considering how to compete before you compete. That's how I framed up TOT, uh, uh, hoping that Kevin and Seb could add more to that. Yeah. Seb, you want to jump on that? Anything you want to add? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, it's, <clears throat> it's all about the metaphorical ap application of this as, as Sean was just alluding to, um, you know, like you're bringing your resources and you're, you're bringing your efforts mm -hmm. and it's to find that intersection where you're benefiting the mission statement and you're not, you haven't been there too long where you're creating an increased jeopardy. So if we're addressing say shortcomings in the context of what we've been talking about this week, which is like say my own shortcomings how long do i want to spend you know dealing with certain things until it becomes counterproductive so does that mean that i deal with something to a certain extent and then i'm out or does that mean i deal with something to a certain extent and then i revisit it on with a different lens so imagine if you did that imagine if you let, let's put it in the tactical context for a second but imagine if your time on target was as a you know, this was your, your, your duty, for example, like you're a breacher and then you're going back as a sniper. You're looking at the problem from a different eye. So sometimes in order to problem solve things, you don't have necessarily the luxury of a team when you're addressing things internally. So sometimes you require to have a different lens put on the problem and look at it from a different angle. And so for me, when I think, when I think of time a target as a metaphorical application of it, in dealing with some things that I personally are going through, it's important to understand where that balance needs to be. Kevin, what are your first thoughts on time on target? Uh, well, just, I guess from a, like an endurance perspective, from what Sean was saying, like really there, there are no shortcuts. If you, if you, if you're looking for shortcuts to, to be successful in the outcome, wherever that, wherever that is, whether it's a, a race or a mission, if it's in it from a, you know, a tactical perspective, um, you know, like that, the old saying, like time spent on reconnaissance is held, seldom wasted. So any time you spend preparing for anything is going to be beneficial. Um, if you, if you've just arrived at your objective and you expect success, uh, you're, you're really hoping for uh, a miracle as opposed to just banking on the preparation that you, you put in, uh, beforehand. So, I mean, I, I can't say enough about, uh, the time it takes to prepare for, for, you know, even from a, an endurance perspective, endurance sports. I mean, uh, I, I speak for myself, but I know I could speak for every endurance athlete out there. I mean, you, you can't, uh, you can't be successful at all without putting in all the work beforehand. So. Uh, the race or that, you know, the, the end goal is just really a small part of, of the bigger journey, the bigger picture uh, that you, uh, you know, you engage in when you decide to take on these tasks. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, you got any uh, additional points? I do. And it was something that Seb said, and uh, he's right, that uh, we don't all have the luxury of being surrounded by a team with uh, all the assets and all of the different vectors covered from uh, long distance all the way right up to standing next to the door that's going to be breached. That, 
that TOT or that time on target as a multifaceted, uh, highly coordinated resource that is executing in the moment against the problem, that that's way different than just you all by yourself trying to figure the world out around you. But I think that there is some um, similarities to how to do better in life uh, using a military context or a um, maybe a Leo concept or, or construct as well. And Seb kind of alluded to it. And that is, uh, you know, when you're a breacher standing up against the door, what you see is the door. And you see the surroundings, you see your team, you see that doorknob or the hinges, you, you see what you need to see in your job. But what you're not seeing is the view from about a kilometer and a half away, which is what a sniper sees. And so um, I think that in order to understand your target or your problem or the thing in front of you, you can't, you can't, your first step cannot be as a breacher. Your first step has to be as a sniper in order to be set back and look at the larger picture, set back and watch a lot of things unfold in front of you and start forming a pattern on the things that are unfolding in front of you. And that might take you several days to understand the big picture and form the big pattern. But as you better understand it, now you can creep up on that objective or creep up on that target. And now you're into that middle phase of where maybe you're an assault force, where you've got eyes on the objective, where the time on the target is still the sniper observing the objective. The assault team is moving into place. They're moving up on the objective, but they're not yet time on target on the objective. And so as you can well imagine moving from the sniper all the way up to the breacher. Everyone has the roles and responsibilities. Everyone has their time on target before time on target. And for some, it might be days and for some, it might be minutes. It doesn't matter what the timeline is. What is important in the metaphorical construct that I'm creating right now is the, I feel the best way to understand what the target is, as Kevin said, any time spent on reconnaissance is never wasted. So the more you can observe the problem, the more you can observe from a long distance and creep up on it and get right close to it and then stand and look at it in the eye, that might take you days, weeks, months, years. But that's the sequence of events that I see. Uh, and it's not just a one and done. It's what I do for everything all my life towards everything. It doesn't matter what the problem is. I'm looking at it from a long distance first. And then I creep up on it and stand right next to it and look it right in the eye. But that can take time. And that time can be, again, weeks or it could be 12 seconds. It really depends on the circumstances. But I start from the outside and then work my way into the problem, as it were. Seb, I saw you take notes there. What do you got? <laughs> I always take notes. I have the memory of a flea. <laughs> so... Um, it, you know what you're what what Sean is is speaking about here really is the concept of detachment and is it's a critical it's a critical skill that need to be applied against anything we're we're trying to do especially if we're wanting to ensure that our emotional investment does not uh, create issues for us <clears throat> or over investment rather so um, yeah I, I I think that that's 
definitely a, a, a critical piece. One of the one of the other pieces that we have to look at is is there is there such thing as too much time on target? And the answer is yes. And so generally, it happens in the form of starting to look at the possibility of the mission switching on us. So now you're starting to what if absolutely everything. And if you are trying to if, if there is a time sensitive nature, which in the tactical world there always is at some point, and also in your life, arguably, knowing that time is our biggest currency, you don't have a million years to figure out how you're going to go about problem solving something. And a problem solved that 70, 70% or 60% of your abilities is certainly better than the 100% you never, you never apply against the problem. Right? So uh, a, moderate plan, a moderate plan now is better than the perfect plan never. And, uh, and I think it's important to understand as we are looking internally of some of the things that we are trying to address, it's important for us to understand how much of this is now overthinking and how am I changing the landscape of the mission statement on account of, you know, cognitive bias or, or wanting to suit some of my thoughts or whatever the case may be. It's like, when have I spent enough time and I need to, I need to take some actions and, 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 you know, and really apply against the mission statement. And so I do believe that there is, there is a, a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, an intersection between that balances the need for information that you require to move along and then the moving along, which is required to make any substantial leeway in, in, in the direction of your goal. Mm. Kevin, you got any thoughts on that? Um, no, not really. Actually, I mean, Seb, <laughs> Seb, uh, it's hard to hard to follow Seb with anything really when when he speaks. But uh, I agree. Yeah, detaching yourself from from a problem and, and removing your your preconceived biases is is easier said than done uh, in anything really. Um, uh, we all we all come in any kind of situation uh, with preconceived thoughts, you know, um, expectations, um, but removing yourself kind of looking at it like, like Sean said, from the, uh, like a, a zoomed out lens um, is difficult to do, but it's, it's super important because uh, to understand the big picture is really uh, important in, when you're trying to zoom in on that really specific problem that you're trying to attack. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, I don't I, mind following Seb. I'm just going to add a little bit more, not, not to what Seb said, just to add some granularity to see where it takes us. That's all. So, um, I think that, uh, Seb was correct that sometimes you can spend too much time on target or not, depending on who you are, depending on the crew. So if it's a squared away crew, that's super tight and they've been in the game a long time, they can spend a long time on target and never be discovered as uh, we'll call it a sniper team or something such reconnaissance element that first look at the problem a good crew can stay there a long time and get a lot done now interestingly enough uh, a new crew or a, a, a rookie crew uh, can spend too long on the target and they need to make all of the mistakes in order to be able to get better at spending more time on the target that's just how it works as a new crew you might be there for two or three days before you're discovered. As a tight, qualified, experienced crew, you can be there forever and never get discovered. And that's kind of what we're talking about to some degree on uh, uh, applications of life. Uh, there is a time where you're there too long. 
we'll call that um, inaction, uh, for lack of a better term. And uh, that inaction of just observing the problem, time on the target, figuring out all the things, coming up with all the plans, all the ideas, this is what I'm going to do once I'm off this target, um, that, that can be now wasted time with particular crews. So the new crew that comes in that uh, might only have two days capable on target because they'll get busted or they'll get hungry or they'll get bored or whatever. Um, for that young crew or new crew in this game of long distance observing uh, problems, well, they're probably going to get busted, learn some lessons, and then next time they go out, they might be out there three days, four days, five days. You've got to build on this ability to observe a problem from a long distance over greater and greater timelines. And I think that's the way of life. You know, uh, as you become more experienced in the reconnaissance of a problem, you can spend more time thinking about the problem and not get busted, not waste your time. Uh, but then, to Seb's point, the devil is in the details because even the most experienced problem solver from a long distance at some time in that process might become attracted to the idea that they're undiscoverable, that they can look at the problem for a long, long time, come up with all the plans, and then just get comfortable in the planning process. Because they're never, they're, they're not getting busted as, as it were. They're just really comfortable observing and planning, but not acting on it. And they could be in that sniper hide, metaphorically, forever solving all of the world's problems, but they never pull themselves out of that sniper hide to go and report back to hire or go and action against the problem that they've got all the solutions for. So I think it's kind of interesting that uh, you can be on target for too long as a new crew, but you can also be on target too long as an experienced crew. I hope that makes sense. Interesting. Kevin, you got any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I guess from a, uh, you know, Sean's military or kind of, uh, that tactical, um, framework that he's, uh, he's explaining this in, um, certainly when you're, uh, the, the aspect of spending too much time, uh, planning per se versus executing. Yeah. There's certainly a, there's certainly a point where inaction is you've spent all this time planning. If you're not going to execute your plan, then what's the point of planning? Uh, so time, time is finite. Like that resource of, uh, that precious commodity we have called time is, uh, is one of those things that I don't take, I don't take lightly. So. Hmm. Seb? Yeah. Just a couple of things for me. So, you know, uh, Sean generally tends to do that where he brings enemy in this cause he just loves to scrap. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, You're I, right. I, I'm more worried about me, you know, like how long does it take me to look at the same problem and starting to, starting to you know change and influence the way i normally would would resolve that or normally how it would be done so even as an experienced person you can find yourself starting to overthink a problem by looking at it too much and you and 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 sometimes you know if there isn't a team there and if i'm not i'm not worried about being discovered i'm worried about making the wrong the the wrong call on what needs to be done or in the wrong sequence of what needs to be done in order to accomplish the goal that i had set forth for myself so i'm not so worried about somebody else influencing what's what's happening more that i am about what does it become when you spend too much time with your eyes on target 
and uh, and and can that lead to mission creep or to mission switch unbeknownst to you even though theoretically there shouldn't be one and now you're you know you're advancing sort of you know uh, blindly kind of deal um, another thing that is is I think important to recognize is that sometimes the more experienced you are the less amount of time you need to spend somewhere not the mo not necessarily that you're going to be better at spending time there yes if if we're looking at external forces coming in and discovering you absolutely because you you'll you'll have the ability to remain hidden and have all the necessary discipline in place so that you can do that but what i like to see is once a crew is extreme is very experienced you can show them a, t a target and they can they can prioritize exactly where the main issues are going to be and how egregious it's going to be to the accomplishment of the mission so let's transfer this metaphorically now to you addressing some of the things in your own life and you have gotten really good at finding the problem identifying it reverse engineer it perhaps you need you got some help from your you know from your therapist or whatever it doesn't matter who helped you and and you're able to now sort of have a roadmap on how you're going to address problems percolating in the future as it pertains to you and your personality and so when you see the next one you kind of have a bit of a framework on how you've addressed this in the past and how you've done it and so and 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 with that it's not to rely entirely on the past because each set of circumstances even an infinitesimally small detail can change the way you're going to look at a, at a problem and how you're going to resolve it. But it is, it is good to know that the more you are getting efficient and, and effective at dealing with some of the shortcomings that you're identifying through your own processes, the more likely you are to be better at that regardless of what problem or uh, sort of percolating in your own life. Interesting. John, you got any thoughts on anything else? Yeah, I <clears throat> just basically I, what I'm hearing is kind of what everyone I hope is hearing, and that is the more time you uh, or the better you get at observing what's going on in your own life, the easier it is to observe what's going on in your own life. The shorter it takes you to understand what's going on in your own life. And it's like mental health. If you look at your first big mental health problem, if you haven't addressed that yet, it's time to put time on target. Start start observing yourself, however long it takes to better understand that first mental health problem that you want to get to work on, whatever's bugging you. And then once you've observed it long enough, it's time to put time on target action against that mental health struggle that is challenging you. And... Once you've moved through that first one, and I'm not saying you've defeated it, like you've you've just conquered a planet. I'm talking about once you've engaged in it with action and you have adjusted the situation in a, towards a more positive outcome. Again, not fully resolved. It doesn't have to be in military speak. We can talk about you've fought through the objective 200 meters beyond your consolidating and now you're looking to exploit beyond that. If you want to use that language, okay. But I would say this, that you've got to put time on target to then action time on target and then move through that target. And now you're one target richer. You're one target better at understanding what the next thing is that you're going to address. And over a sequence of events of time on target and action time on target, now you can start becoming more efficient and effective at, from a distance, observing what problem is in front of you mentally, internally, 
spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is, physically, you can observe that from a distance, impartially, non-emotionally, come to an understanding of what is in front of you in the sense of a battle space, and then start engaging on that with time on target action. You become better at it, you become faster at it, you become etc. at it. You've got to observe yourself, engage in yourself, get better at doing that with yourself so that you can start speeding this process up. So what, <clears throat> listening to you guys this whole time and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering where the line is specifically between paralysis by analysis and half-assing life. Right, because there's, there you can you just constantly take action without any sort of preparation and just, you know, end up continually trying to fix stuff without any real depth of thought. But you can also be completely paralyzed by the fact that anything can happen at any point in time. And oh my goodness, what do we do? So I'm wondering where your guys's line is specifically, where is where there's a line for you that you say, okay, I just need to get to work, or I need to spend more time looking at this. Kevin, what do you think? Well, certainly, I guess from my my perspective, I'm I would kind of fall in that category of of uh, making decisions or taking action sooner than probably I, is is uh, is important. Well, it would would lead to success. So, for example, if I'm uh, if I've got a problem in front of me, I'm more prone to to you know start looking at solutions and implementing solutions and recognizing that you know they might not work. Uh, but I think it's important when we, when we see, um, when we see, when we have solutions and they don't work, um, those failures are a good teacher. The best teacher really is, is failure. So, um, I recognize that, you know, it's, for me, it's better to take action. Um, you know, put a little bit of thought into it for sure. Cause that's important in that time on target of planning and preparing to, for, to implement a solution. But at some point, um, I think the best for me, the best, best course of action is to take action and recognize that, hey, I might not be successful the first time, but I learned from those uh, mistakes, make those adjustments, micro adjustments, maybe bigger adjustments, and then attack the problem again. And eventually, uh, you know, success will come. Mm -hmm. Seth, what do you think? Yeah, there's not much to add. It's pretty much exactly the same. If I see it as an artillery mission is what I see it at. You know, I'll start I'll start acting up on, on, I'll have, you know, obviously the base information, the fundamental information that I'm required so that I can, that I can take some reasonable action without saying you're, you're jumping the gun here, but uh, somebody else might look at it and say, you know, I would spend a bit more time, you know, crafting a, a response or whatever the case might be. For me, I'm less concerned about that and more concerned about let's go, let's get this, let's get this addressed. And if, if it, it might not be perfect, but I'll adjust fire as I need to. I'll reassess. And I think that's that's one of the pieces that's really important is don't fall in love with your own plan. I never fall in love with my own plan. I never do. I don't. I, yes, I have a plan. I have a mission statement. But the planning phase or the execution phase is very flexible and adaptable. I don't fall in love with it. If there's anything that indicates to me that I need to be making some amendment or some changes or going a drastically different direction on account of information, new information that comes to bear, then I'm okay with that because I haven't locked myself in. Do not fall in love with your own plan. No different on the jiu-jitsu mats. No different anywhere. Mm -hmm. Sean? Yeah, I, 
agree with both fellas. And I think that it comes down to, <clears throat> as I'd indicated, for my mind, if I'm looking at a problem, I look at it from a long distance first. I look at it like a sniper, I suppose. And uh, so to, to Seb's point, the, the notion is you can't fall in love with your plan so much that your entire plan is predicated on the one perfect shot. You're, you may never get to pull that trigger. You may just be there gathering information and that might, might not be perfect information. It could be nighttime, it could be foggy, there could be smoke, there could be all sorts of chaos. You might not have a full data set in front of you to um, uh, collate a perfect plan. And so then it re requires experience. You've got to fill in some of the details, some of the data gaps through experience. There's got to be some inferences. You've got to make some assumptions. No plan is so complete that it's yawningly, boringly going to unfold in front of you predictably as if it's magic. I've never seen it happen. Uh, but what can happen is you spend the appropriate amount of time planning, time on target, based on your experience, the timeline that you've got, because it's not infinite, with the resources that you have available to you. And at some point, you've got to make the decision. And that decision is now it's action phase. So all of that time on target, if you're a noob, you're not going to be able to fill in as many gaps with your experience. If you're a pro, you're going to be able to fill in some of the gaps with your experience. But at the end of the day, before you roll into that action phase, guaranteed, it's not a 100% plan. And so interestingly enough for me anyway, um, in a professional sense, you can fill in all a lot of gaps and you can have a 93% success rate, possibly. But as you step off on that 93%, uh, this, is, this is a strong or a high probability uh, case. As you step off on that, there's still the unknown. And as an experienced individual, you fill in as many gaps as you can, but then you've got to be prepared for the pivot. The pivot that happens in a split second that destroys your plan and you reinvent a new plan based on the TOT that you're about to apply uh, in front of you. And now in this case, now you're not a sniper anymore. Now you're the breacher because now you're in the middle of it with, with your 93% probability of success that just went out the window. Now you're back to zero. And in real time, you're time on target, analyzing, crafting up a rapid plan that is high probability based on the circumstances and data that you have in front of you. And then you execute. It's an iteration of time on target plus time on target action equals outcome. The outcome is then reevaluated and then you begin TOT plus TOT action equals outcome. And it is a constant iteration in the moment. It's, it's an iteration in operation. It's an iteration at the grocery store. It's an iteration in running events. It's an iteration in flying a kite. It's a, 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 a modified version of the OODA loop is what we're talking about. So I, I think that time on target, whether we're talking BJJ or running or whatever, is equally applicable given the circumstances and how much you've learned in life. Mm -hmm.
Seb, you got any points to add to that? Well, just the one thing that this brought to my, you know, vivid imagination of Sean, as Sean was talking is, and I, I've, you know, I've addressed the problem individually earlier, me not having a team, but now if you do have a team, so now what? So now you don't have the detachment required to make this, you know, potentially a, a great call in relation to the new set of circumstances. But you know what you do have is great people around you if you surround yourself with the right people. And those those people have an angle on whatever the problem is in various different lenses to see it through. And so now it becomes your sort of end goal to try to muster as much information from the people that are around that have, that have their eyes on the target for an, for an extended period of time at specific angles of the problems so that you may have a recreated sort of detachment that will lead you into the second best plan that you can come up with, uh, you know, as opposed to if you were detached. So, and if you were to replace all these little key players that have an angle on, on the problem differently, what does that bring you? Well, maybe it brings you, you know, a, a coach or, or maybe it brings you, uh, you know, a, a, a therapist, or maybe it brings you a teacher, or maybe it, whatever, replace all those people with the savages in your surroundings that can help you detach from the problem and, 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 and or address a quickly evolving new one. Kevin, you got any thoughts to add on that? Yeah, I guess on from uh, just that, that team uh, framework that Seb just mentioned, um, the more time you, you can spend with those people, those, that, that team that you surround yourself with, uh, I think that the better, the greater chance of success your team is going to have in solving a problem. So when those, when those problems are, when you hit those speed bumps, uh, and you have to pivot on something, um, I recognize like I'm looking at it from my perspective, um, on a team, uh, that I, that I work at, I'm not the smartest guy, uh, by any stretch. Um, but we all have our skills. Everyone's good at something. Everyone's got a strength. Uh, so when you when you hit those uh, hurdles, that maybe that's one of your weaknesses. But you know that the guy or the the gal that's on your team with you has is might be a subject matter expert in that in that problem. Um, you've got that confidence, but that that takes time to develop that that uh, confidence in your team. And the greater, the more you know, the longer you can spend working as a team. Surrounding yourself with those people, uh, that trust builds, and with that trust, um, you know, it just gives you that confidence that you're going to get through whatever you're uh, you're, you're tackling. Mm -hmm. Sean, you got any? Uh, I do. <clears throat> On teams, I don't want to make this conversation so um, intellectually disconnected from reality that all we're talking about is theoretical models. So I'm going to inject some reality now, <clears throat> and. I know we have been, I just want to make it really real. Uh, the case would be Seb and I right now. And uh, so Seb and I are thinking about doing some form of a offering to people out there in the sense of executive coaching. And so we come up with this idea and it was an idea that just, we didn't like, we weren't bored and looking to do something. I mean, this was, this has been requested a lot. And so we're trying to respond to the uh, requests out there for people who uh, wants to help them. And so as we've been thinking about this, we've had a few ideas. We, we've spent a lot of time thinking about it from a long distance. 
like snipers would, observing the time on target reconnaissance and coming up with a general scheme. But even though we're both men of action, I, I'll loosely refer to us as, even though we can execute rapidly against problems in front of us, I think that's fair to say, my MO is usually, let's go now, let, let, just game on, let's get, it, get after it. Uh, however, I'm the guy who's slowing things down right now to some degree. Uh, Seb and I had uh, agreed to kick this thing off uh, over a week ago. Uh, but I said to Seb, I, I just got to think about it just a sec more. I just need it. Just, in, just give me a touch. I don't know why. I just want to think about it for a sec. And I didn't know why. But I know myself that if I give myself enough time, then it'll start to bubble up. Well, my not my reservation, but the thing that was somehow put me off a touch started to bubble up. It took two or three days. And then I needed another day or two to think about it. So it took me about a week. And then I said to Seb, Hey, uh, I know what I know what was bugging me. It's this. Let's talk about that, and then we're going to talk about it this afternoon at fifteen hundred hours PST. And so, um, it's for me. I'm not the guy who usually puts the brakes on things, but on this one, I put the brakes on just because of a feeling, because of an experience, body of work that I've got. And it could have been Seb. We could have flipped the role. And it could have been Seb that said, Let, you know, there's, what is it? I don't know what's bugging me, but I just need a day or two to think about this. And you know what I would have said? Yeah, take as long as you want. Because I know Seb. I know, I know how his head works. I know that if he's got something that he feels uh, needs to slow down the velocity, we're freaking slowing down the velocity. And so uh, I find it interesting that some people out there might consider that at a certain level of experience or a certain point in your life or all of the lessons that you learn get you to a point, we'll call it here, where everything just magically is seamless and effortless and magical. Well, it ain't. Up, up here where I'm kind of working with Seb, we'll call it, it's, it's a grind, man. It's just as hard as when I was down here. It's, it's just that I'm up here. That's all. The work is hard. The struggles are still there. The, um, the time on target is still necessary. The action phase still hasn't executed because we're still doing time on target. And it's, it's, and it's not like it's just two dudes hanging out trying to figure something out. When I look at Seb, what I do see is a force multiplier. So he's not one guy, he's 10 guys. And if I'm, if I'm a force multiplier, maybe I'm eight guys. So between the two of us, we're at least 80 guys, eight times 10. <laughs> so, um, you know, between the two of us, we we're, it's, it's, not, it's not magical over your life that at some point you arrive at the station called everything's perfect and easy and works out magically for you at this point. I don't think the grind ever changes. The struggles are always going to be there. But what I have learned over the last couple of decades is if I line myself up with the right people, with the right intention, a whole lot of things get done. They just don't get done magically. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> now, I, I want to hit Kevin real quick here. Uh, I know you got to run. So do you want to give us uh, maybe some final thoughts on what Sean just said? And then uh, we'll, let you, we'll let you take off for the day. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I, th- I think you can't, you can't understate, like I know Sean is, is talking about, you know, having the right people and it's still, even that, even when you're operating at this high level, it's still a grind. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at, look at it from like an endurance race perspective. I've done, uh, I've done lots of, you know, longer races, endurance races. Um, you would think that they get easier, but they don't. Every single one is a challenge. Every, every single one has its unique, uh, um, problems that I have to, uh, solve. However, um, my experiences is really what gets me through that. So it's, you can't, you can't, uh, understate the importance of, uh, that preparation. And like I said, you know, at the beginning of this, of this chat here, like there are no shortcuts. Um, you can't, you can't go into these things thinking that you're going to, uh, be successful without putting all the work and, and that work just takes time. It, it's, it's, there's no, um, there's no secret formula to, to get successful quick. I mean, I, I suppose it depends on what, what you're trying to tackle in life, but certainly from uh, my perspective, from um, uh, endurance sports, uh, it just, it's just going to take, you know, years of grinding and, and knowing myself, knowing what I'm going to do and how I'm going to, because problems are going to come regardless. Uh, you're going to, you're going to hit hurdles and speed bumps. Um, but having, um, having that experience, having that framework of, uh, of past experiences to draw on and knowing that you've been in these tough spots before, it's going to help you get through, uh, to the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you got to run, so I really do appreciate you joining us. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know he's got to take off. He's got an appointment right away. Yep. I do really appreciate you jumping on Thanks, here. Guys. We're going to carry on the right. conversation, but, uh, We'll get you on again very soon. Absolutely. All the best, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it. See brother. Cheers. Take care, Appreciate man. it. Bye now. Uh, so as he takes off. Dude, he still owes us half a podcast. That's right. what I'm thinking. <laughs> hey? Yeah. Dude, I hope he watches 100%. this later because maybe we can spend the next 20 minutes tearing, uh, tearing nice. Kevin up for yeah. uh, ducking. You know what I mean? <laughs> for ducking out. He just drops a, a wisdom bomb and then. Whatever. He doesn't out, have right? an appointment. Screw that guy. <laughs> He just made so, us up. He got he scared. He totally did. He was, he trying, to find, he was trying to find a way out. <laughs> he, he never wanted to be here anyway. Yeah. Well, on that, what are your thoughts on what he just threw down there? Well, I, I mean, I can understand not exactly what Kevin is saying, but I, I think I feel qualified to have a pretty good sense of what he's saying, given that I've just done a lot of ultra endurance racing myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things about ultras, and it's Obviously, it's not for everyone, uh, but if it is for you, you'll know it pretty quick because you'll bang one out, and then the moment that it's banged out, you'll shake your head and think, wow, that was insane. When's the next one? That's not for everyone. Not everyone thinks that way, but for those who do think that way, there's going to be a next one, and then there's going to be one after that, and then there's going to be one after that, and what you're going to learn along the way is as Kevin was alluding to, as the failures that you face are just never stop. They, it's a constancy of failure after failure after failure. And as he was speaking, all I could see was the statue of David and uh, pieces of that statue being chiseled off from a huge raw block. And as the sculptor was carving away he was carving away, for lack of a better term, the failures that are required to see the beauty underneath. That's ultra endurance racing, man. 
when you show up on day one on your first event, you're just a freaking slab of rock. Uh, but uh, a few into it, you're starting to take shape. And a few more into it, now you're starting to become, I, I, it's going to sound weird, but now there's some beauty being exposed. And uh, that's life, man. I mean, uh, your true beauty, I don't think, can be exposed until you have sculpted off a lot of the things that are holding you back. Uh, spending enough time on target within your mind, internally, we'll call it, to carve off some of the things that don't belong there. The janky block of granite that uh, is causing you uh, dissonance right now. Start chiseling away. You don't have to turn it into... Uh, just a one-day effort where you want to see the statue underneath because you're going to go hard for 12 hours internally. Every day, just spend a couple of minutes with a chisel internally, seeing what's underneath there. Mm -hmm. You bring up a really great point, and I think it... Uh, I, I really like watching people do uh, chainsaw sculptures. And I think the, the point you're trying to make there is that, you know, once you stop... There's a point where you stop using the chainsaw and you start using sandpaper mm. or you start using a chisel or you start and similar to the concept of being from a distance as a sniper, you have a chainsaw and you're going to give yourself a rough form of what it is you're looking at. And then you're going to start working on the smaller bits and still in concept of the larger uh, piece in and of itself, rather than just moving from a solid piece of tree to trying to, chisel out a finger or start sanding down a finger if that makes sense it, so it does to me i actually like your example better and here's why because with the chainsaw that we'll call it the onset of the process of learning what's underneath the block of wood right from the get-go you deploy that chainsaw you know what it is it's freaking noisy man mm -hmm. and it's messy and that's 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 what getting to work on yourself is initially it's noisy and it's messy internally and you're, you're going to get wood chips on you and you, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be loud, man. It's going to be not a disaster, but it's going to be hard work where you get dirty and it's loud and it's your job to figure out how to work that chainsaw in that early phase so that you don't quit chainsawing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and anybody that's used a chainsaw knows that if you run your chainsaw full speed for <laughs> the entire time you're using it, you're going to run out of gas, you're going to run out of oil, you're going to run all these things that you need in order to run the chainsaw. So you have to be efficient. Modulate. Effective. Modulate. And you got to use that over time, or you have to learn that over time after running out of gas a few times, <laughs> after <laughs> realizing you don't have any bar oil or any of that good stuff. So I, that's, a, that's a great point. So have you got any thoughts? Well, just... Unless, of course, you've heard this before and you make the, asso the association as soon as it starts going weird. And so I think there's, there's two things here. And we often, we spoke about this before, at least Sean and I have, with respect to if we were privy to the information that we have today at 20, would we have listened? Because if, if, the, if the challenge is that, then why are we here? Right. Like we need to understand that some of the stuff and some of the concepts that we discussed and some of the some of the, the you know, the good bits that we are providing 
may be something that someone has to experience in order to go back, but at least it's in the data bank somewhere in there. Mm. And once they're able to match their own experience with this making now taking some some form some form of reasonableness or making sense to them they can go back and be like yeah somebody told me this before and i didn't necessarily pay attention so i think the message still needs to go out even though we are very well aware that most people will poke the bear to see what happens and get exactly what we told them they would and but if they don't have that at all and if we don't give anything whatsoever then you can't you somebody cannot learn from that and then and then that's a disservice so it's important also because the world isn't all externally you know people that are just accessory to your life waiting to contribute in some way because that's not what life is all about it's important that we look internally and see how much of this am i applying against or how much of this makes sense to me right now in the circumstances how much of this am i resisting Am I resistant to and why am I resistant to it? And then and then if it leads you down the path of, of formulating or postulating something that's completely different from what we spoke about today, I'm in. That's awesome. Because you finally you finally use your 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 head, your wits, your brain, your experience, your creativity to 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 craft something that is perfect for you individually. You know? Anyways. John. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll I'll um, own it, and then I will acknowledge how much Seb helped me in this uh, particular subject, because there's times here on the collective where I have pretty much almost quit. I just looked it up. We're now day two hundred and sixty-three. We've done two hundred and sixty-three podcasts this year. Never missed a day. But there's days when I wanted to miss it because I just wasn't into it. And here's why. Because on day one, I was standing there with my chainsaw doing this. And now it's 263 <laughs> days later and I'm like. And, and I, I, I'm not sure how much further ahead I am or we are or it is. And, um, you know, I'm out here brapping my chainsaw as hard as I can. And, uh, and I'm not sure it's getting as much attention as it should. And I'm not talking about me, but I'm talking about the statue that we're carving right now. Mm -hmm. And so there are, there's at least a couple of times where Seb has dragged me back from the edge and said, no, no, you ain't quitting. And I, he might have not said it precisely Fully. like that, but he said it in a way that made me not quit. And, and how he put it across was as he's just put it across. And that is, if we're out here chainsawing something, maybe not everyone is appreciating what we're chainsawing at this moment. But in the future, when they've had an opportunity to spend enough time on their target to understand some of the things that we're talking about, all of the things, some of the things one thing one thing is enough for one person that's enough for me i used to say it sometimes i lose sight of it because i i understand how much gold is being put out here on a daily basis by the guests and i get a bit frustrated that um people are missing what's happening over here the advantages that they could have in their life if they just tuned in just 
to listen to some chainsawing. So um, it, I do get a bit bummed at times, a bit frustrated at times, because what we're putting down isn't being picked up by enough people, and I just know how good it would be for them. So I'm glad I didn't quit. I do believe, Seb, that in the future, um, uh, some people in the future will gain a benefit from this. So I suppose I am still convinced to keep on proceeding ahead. But it is time on target. If it's mission critical, you'll stay there as long as you can, gathering information on the target. But at a certain point, even as an experienced sniper, like, there's just too much rain, man. I've just been there too long. I just, I just want to get... I just want to get pulled back from this position so that I'm not in this role right now. I need a break. And so um, sometimes I feel like I need a break from the collective. And uh, just about the time that I feel like I need a break, someone says, man, the podcast that you guys did yesterday saved my life. Mm -hmm. And so it's enough. I know it's enough. But I want everyone to understand out there that uh, none of us are robots while we're over here on the show. And we're talking about these things like um, we were highly experienced and, and, and the right people to be talking about it. Well, we're some people talking about it. And we're trying to uh, put across points that are helpful. But uh, I'm sure there's lots of people out there that could join in on this subject, add to the subject on time on target. And I would be nodding my head. But in absence of that, I'll nod my head, my head when Seb speaks about how important it is that we, on the collective, spend time staying on the target. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, <clears throat> this actually reminds me quite a bit about um, when, we're, when we were clean, clearing minefields overseas, there's a certain amount of time that you can spend there. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter because there's a, there's a sunk cost to you spending more time than is needed on that position, right? You can only prod for so long when you're staring at the ground three inches in front of you and you're just tick, 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 tick. You can only do that for so long. Regardless how you feel about it, it's sometimes up to somebody to, to tap you on the leg and be like, time to go. Go take a break. Go sit down. So what I'm wondering is, do you guys find that you have, with the experience that you have, where you guys can recognize it now and say, oh, you know what, I, I put too much into this right now, I need to back off, or I put so much into this, I need to see it through, or pivot, or reset, or whatever. Do you guys find that you have a, do you need somebody else to come and like flick you on the shoulder, or do you just have a line in the sand for yourself? Seb? Well, that's an interesting question. And just to clarify something that Sean said, like Sean hasn't quit a single thing in his life. He doesn't need me to not quit, <laughs> right? But I think it's important. And, and, the, and the, questions, the, the questions that Sean had are valid questions. And we, in order to move this to the next level and bring it where it needs to be, we need to have those lines of questioning because we don't have that time. We don't have that time to soak it in for 795 episodes and wonder, is there anything we could be doing? And so... And for me, just again, to go to go back to the example of um, of uh, Sean deciding to take a little bit more time to assess certain things. You think I'm at home like stewing, wondering like what Sean is doing and why are we not live yet? No, what my what my incline is, is immediately if Sean is holding on something, there is a reason. 
like zip it. I don't need to see it. I don't need to hear it. I don't need an explanation. There's something that's causing a halt and I trust that he's doing whatever it is that he will bring me up to speed once the time comes. And so having the right people around as again, I can't reinforce it enough. But now the question is, you know, it, no, it's an it's an inexact science is what my answer is. It's not like there is no exact science in this. It's you, it, what's important is self-awareness and self-regulation. So you need to pay attention to where you are and when in space and time. And how much time have you spent doing certain things and what was the, the cost of that? And once you have that and you're doing a, you know, sort of careful analysis of cost benefit, you know when it's time to move on. You know when something else is more egregious. You know when you need to take a break because you're now cross-eyed and you want to readdress the problem with clarity of mind. And those things are not necessarily uh, super intuitive, but you know when they become intuitive is when you make the decision to pay attention. That's when it starts. It's not an accident. You're not going to start being intuitive by accident. You need to start questioning. You need to start testing your left and right of arc, uh, psychological arc, as it were, so that, so that you start understanding you know, where you are in space and time in relation to the problem and how much time have you spent dealing with something and when do you start seeing uh, the opposite of progress? And as soon as that happens, now there needs to be a, a change. And if you can't make that change on your own, that's when it's important to have people around that you can, you know, bounce stuff off and, and, and all this good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, those are okay. kind of my thoughts on that. Not an exact science, difficult. Yes, experience helps. It doesn't make it perfect and sometimes experience can be an, an hindrance like if you if you over relying on your experience and or you have done something wrong for 30 years you're just really really good at doing things wrong you it's not because there is time spent doing anything that you're any good at it all you have to have done is done it right done it wrong for 30 years and you're 10 times worse than you should be you know yeah absolutely <laughs> sean thoughts yeah. Um, so to your question, I've probably done all of the things that you're asking about. I've certainly been um, guilty of going too hard, too passionately, too deep into a problem to try to help or fix or improve a, a situation that perhaps I'm not able to or capable of. I, I mean, I invest. And so, um, you know, You've, you've got to invest hard to sometimes realize you shouldn't have invested that hard. And these are called life lessons, man. Uh, but uh, I, I sure as heck don't like uh, quitting on anything, as Seb said. In fact, uh, I, I usually double down uh, once I get close to uh, that sort of a feeling, which, which can get you in trouble for sure. And, and, and these, again, are life lessons. Um, I think something that... Uh, Seb was talking about, um, you know, the people that are around you, the, the friends that you have, the acquaintances that uh, you bounce ideas off, these kind of things. That's, that's, to me, that's almost like a sniper team, as it were. You know, you're looking at the long distance problem from, from, uh, from a full view, for lack of a better term. And, you know, you're the guy next to you, your partner, whether he's on the gun or whether he's on the scope, the spotting scope. Uh, whether he's um, taking photos, whether he's drawing, whether he's on the radio, it doesn't matter what's going on. Uh, the individual that's lined up next to you, 
the things that they're doing are just as important as the things that you're doing. As a team, you're a singular organism. Uh, if you're just there by yourself, you're one person trying to do the job of maybe two people sometimes. And uh, I think it's important that one, you've got your time on target. If we're talking about now back to mental health as the example, sometimes you just can't fix it all by yourself, no matter how much time you spend on a target. And that requires a good sniper partner, maybe, where uh, they can uh, objectively and um, detach from the moment and non-emotionally ascertain what the status of the team is. Um, whether it's operationally effective or, or not, given that maybe they've been on target too long. And so uh, as a sniper, maybe you're invested on the uh, optics of the moment, whereas your partner is invested on the health of the team at the moment. And so again, time on target, you can be there forever if you're highly skilled, but maybe you shouldn't be there forever uh, given that you haven't got a good sense of uh, context or perspective uh, more correctly. Yeah, 100%. Now we are just about at time. So have you got any additional thoughts on that before we shut her down? Okay, so let's get some, <clears throat> excuse me, some final thoughts on time on target in general and anything that we've talked about. Seb, you got any final thoughts on anything? Yeah, anything Anything I'll say will reiterate what I said. You know, it's, it, it is a... a First of all, in, in order to address anything, you need to be willing to look at the target. Then you need to locate it or you need to locate it and locate what the problem is or what's causing the issue. And then you need to find a way to infill it and so that you may be there gathering the, infor the, the necessary information. And then you need to craft a plan of action. And all of this needs to happen before that problem goes mobile or before that problem becomes increasingly difficult to deal with. And so you, it is time sensitive. It's very rare that you'll have all the time in the world that something is causing you issue if it's egregious and you're addressing it in the context of your own life because you know it's causing you issues. The last thing you want is to be looking at the same target in three years. I tell you that because that target is now included three of the neighboring properties. And so just, you know, really shake it off, look around, scan, scan your, your own landscape and figure out where it is that you need to be spending your time and get started. Sean, final thoughts? Yeah, I would encourage everyone to pause the podcast right now, go back 60 seconds, listen to what Seb just said, follow his sequence of events, and what he just described is why we're considering doing executive coaching. The steps that he just laid out is, is why we're thinking about doing it, because there's a need, we've identified it, there is a time sensitivity, we've identified it, et cetera, et cetera. Everything that he said just now is the sequence of events that we're now applying against a need. And um, wants and needs, I don't want to engage in a frivolous things. I need to engage in righteous things, in things that are important. I don't want to do a lot of things but there are things that I need to do. And you've got to ask yourself, what is your next need? Not what is your next want? And really internally think about what do I need? What, how much time do I need to spend on that need? And what is the outcome that I'm seeking out of that need? That's time on target internally. 
So think about what your needs are versus your wants and line out your plan of action and then start crackalacking. We've, uh, we've kind of mentioned, we've mentioned the OODA loop a number of times and we've, I don't know if we've ever actually broken it down. So anybody that doesn't know what an OODA loop is, it is, <clears throat> it's a uh, decision-making paradigm. I think you first used by the Air Force back in the day, but it is observe, orient, decide, act. And you, it's just, it's called a loop because that you just continually roll yourself around. And as you, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, as you learn how to utilize that in your life, it allows you to build upon your decision-making skills, which allows you to grow in your depth of field and can make decisions all day long. So you can do that with us every day here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Jimo. Jimo.